Everyone has a story. Stories of adversity. Stories of perseverance. Stories of accomplishments. And maybe even stories that will make others laugh. No matter the story, we can be inspired and motivated by them. Most of all, we can learn from them. This is the Big Peach Ride Run Podcast, hosted by me, Dave D2 Martinez. And I want to hear your story. And welcome to the Big Peach Ride and Run Podcast. And yes, it is D2, your host this week again. And man, I'm excited. I am also tired. I just got done uh, with a my first gravel race or ride. Uh, I wasn't going out there to race. I certainly wasn't going to win anything. Um, but it was my first organized uh, event, gravel event, Um and so that's the topic of this week's podcast. Like, what is gravel cycling? And it is something that uh, more recently, I'd say within the last maybe 10 years, has gained popularity and maybe even so since the start of the pandemic, it uh, really kind of like uh, exploded. And uh, at least the interest in gravel cycling exploded. And so what is gravel uh, cycling? So basically, it is just uh, riding your bike on unpaved roads, um, very similar to mountain biking. And it's just, you know, it could be dirt roads, it could be chunky gravel, it could be smooth trails. And, you know, a gravel bike is sort of kind of a hybrid between a road bike and a, and a mountain bike, a cross-country mountain bike. So do you need a gravel bike? Uh, no, you don't. I mean, t- at today's event, I saw several people on mountain bikes. I saw from hardtails uh, to full suspension, front and rear suspension. And, um, and it's one of those things that I think it just, for me, what got me interested in it, and I was one of those individuals that was like, ah, gravel biking, I was like, oh, a gravel bike is just another way of bike companies trying to get you to buy another bike when a mountain bike will do just fine. And that's something I said, you know, probably eight years ago uh, when I first started hearing about gravel cycling. And I thought, well, I've got a mountain bike, you know, and yeah, I could do gravel riding. I mean, and certainly you could. But then I started watching a lot of YouTube videos and sort of like, you know, and I wasn't even really interested in getting into gravel cycling. But I started watching a lot of uh, videos and just started looking at some of these larger events. And I saw, you know, these big sort of like festival type of bike events. So, I mean, think of something as big as, you know, a a large road race. For those of you that, you know, are running road races. Um, But, you know, I wouldn't say it's maybe as big as a Petri road race. But let's say something that has that sort of kind of, um, you know, aura around it, right? There's a lot of excitement and you get all these people and you get all these different diverse people and communities and people that maybe have never run, you know, but except for the Peachtree. And that's sort of kind of what you're seeing in gravel as you're seeing this community of cyclists. Now, there are individuals and, and really, truly, gravel has been around longer than the last 10 years. It's just that it's sort of kind of become its own category because before there were actually, you know, paved roads, um, people would ride on gravel. 
you know, and there's a lot of people that probably grew up riding gravel and they're thinking, you know, this is nothing new. If you lived in a very kind of rural or suburban type area where there were, um, the roads were not paved and you had a bike, that's what you rode on. And you got very comfortable with that. And, you know, there was something, uh, sort of something kind of pure about riding a bike in, in those type of rural and, and unpaved type of roads. Um, even some of the more famous, and I think I mentioned on the previous podcast, is Paris-Roubaix. And it's a big, it's been around for, you know, I don't know, over 100 years maybe. And it's one of those things that um, um, people have, you know, those professional cyclists have ridden that course like forever. And that is gravel. It's um, on cobblestones. It's not the easiest, you know, of of, uh, of courses. So it is a bit more difficult. Um, so you don't need a gravel bike, <clears throat> but what makes a gravel bike sort of different is that it borrows some of the, a little bit from mountain biking and a little bit from road biking. So on the mountain bike, you're getting similar components, if not the exact same components as you would find on a mountain bike, which means easier gears, um, a little bit more durability and able to handle, um, you know, tougher terrain. Um, on the roadside, you're getting sort of kind of like the frame primarily, you know, and a lot of, of these gravel bikes have the similar type of handlebars, the drop um, style handlebar that you find on a regular road bike. But there's plenty of people that prefer a flat type of handlebar that you would find on a mountain bike. Um, you know, and, you know, there's, I would say that for me, I, you know, on my gravel bike, I've got the road type drop type handlebars. And based on today's, um, you know, event, I like the ability to put my hands in different positions. However, there are times there where I wish that I had a, a flat bar, especially on the downhill and, and braking, because it does become hard to kind of break in the drops. That's usually where you have a little bit more control, but at the same time, it, uh, it does require a little bit more strength uh, in your uh, arms, and you know, it does kind of beat up your upper body a little bit. So, um, so you don't need a, 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 you know, a specific bike. Now, as I said, I, didn't, I wasn't really kind of into it. I wasn't you know, intrigued by it until I started watching a lot of these videos and started seeing kind of that community um, and festival type of atmosphere that just looks plain fun. And what I've seen primarily from these larger events is that there seems to be a very deliberate way of trying to be inclusive of everyone. Um, gender, race, whatever, you know, um, you're into, they tend to have a very open and welcoming type of atmosphere. Um, and, uh, so I, I like that part of it. And so at the same time, like I said, I, I was thinking about getting into gravel. And then finally, after doing some research, I broke down and bought a gravel bike. I said, I was not one a few years ago. I said, mountain bike will work fine. But doing a little bit more research, I, I did find that a, having a gravel-specific bike has some benefits to it. 
And I saw that uh, firsthand today. Um, it also has some drawbacks, but you know, overall, I, I think it's it's got some benefits. So, um, like I said, you do get those wider tires um, that are wider than a road bike, but not quite as wide as a mountain bike. So you get that nice kind of balance in between. You also get a lighter uh, bike, a lighter than a mountain bike. And in some instances, almost as light as a road bike. <clears throat> and where the benefits come in is that it is a little bit quicker, especially on the uphills. A mountain bike will typically weigh anywhere from 5 to 10 extra pounds than a gravel bike. Um, and you notice that on the climbs. I noticed it today where I was climbing and past several, um, you know, mountain, you know, mountain bikers on their mountain bike, hardtail, you know, or full suspension on the uphill. They, of course, had the benefit of the suspension on the downhill so they could bomb and they like left me, um, you know, behind. And, you know, on this particular course, there was a lot of uphill. So um, I had a little bit of uh, an advantage there, but I also feel that the gravel bike, because it's lighter, it just feels a little bit more nimble. Like you can maneuver it a little bit more. It just feels, um, and have, you know, since I do own a mountain bike and I have, and I have ridden mountain bikes, I know that they tend to be a little bit more uh, sluggish in some instances. Um, and that has a lot to do with the tires as well. Um so the so there's that part of it. There's a gravel bike, you know, that I said is is the community is a little bit more inclusive. It's a little bit more fun, um, and you get to be uh, you know a little bit in safer conditions. And this is where I think gravel really started taking off about ten years ago. <clears throat> so about ten years ago, um, I was doing triathlons. And during that time period, I, in one year alone, I knew people with, you know, in a very close circle, probably about three or four that had run-ins with vehicles while they were training. Um, if you recall, one of our, um, you know, colleagues at the time, uh, AP, uh, Andrew Powell, um, was out for a, um, a training ride, a practice ride before Ironman, uh, uh, I think it was a 70.3 in New Orleans, and both him and his brother-in-law were hit by a car from behind. Brother-in-law didn't make it. Andrew was in bad shape. Um, he's had, uh, you know, had a long recovery, um, still had a lot of things even years later that he had to kind of... Um, physically and mentally kind of navigate through. And then I knew people within the club and my circle that had also uh, had run-ins with, with vehicles. So at that point, I started seeing more people gravitate towards gravel because there's less or no cars um, on gravel roads. Today, for instance, I did see several cars, but they were, you know, we're not talking about Go, they're going at high speed. You know, they're probably going 
10, 15 miles an hour um, on some of these climbs on these gravel roads. And because the roads are not smooth, they can't go that fast. You know, they'll ruin their suspension, the underside of the car. Um, so, you know, they're going very slow. They do tend to be very respectful. They do give you a wide berth. Um, they are aware in these areas that there are a lot of cyclists. So they're used to seeing you out there. Um, and many of them were very encouraging today. So the, that, that's where I, I think I started seeing a lot more people getting on, on gravel. And we started seeing also in the professional field, especially those that were um, world tour, you know, maybe previously uh, rode on a team for, you know, at the Tour de France or the Gear d'Italia or, you know, any of the big major European type of races where, you know, maybe they got burnt out, maybe they were retiring Maybe they just needed something else to do, and they started getting into gravel riding. And they started seeing that there's actual races out there and competition. So there's this whole, you know, slew of, um, you know, professional gravel riders, I would say. Um, and Lifetime Events has a, a series, a Grand Prix series, where they put mountain bikers and gravel um, riders through these, um, you know, Grand Prix series race and they compete and, you know, um, everything from Sea Otter Classic to, I think, um, there's, um, the one that I'm doing, which is Big Sugar. Um, that's the one that final, so Sea Otter is the one at the beginning of the year and Big Sugar is the one at the end of the year. And, you know, it's a, it's big prize money. So for professionals, um, that's, that's a big draw to them especially if they're kind of tired of the European and, and, you know, type of tours and, and that type of stuff and being able to compete here in the States, keeps them closer to home, closer to family. We started seeing a lot more of those professional riders and, you know, getting into gravel and truly helping to grow this community and this, this sport. And then kudos to, um, lifetime events who put on the Grand Prix series and, um, you know, so, you awarding know, prize money and really kind of building that up even more so and just doing world-class events. And, you know, like I said, I will be at Big Sugar in October, so I'll get to see this firsthand. But today was my first, you know, organized gravel ride. And so I was a, a little bit excited. I also didn't really know what to expect. And, <clears throat> you know, my training had been um, primarily indoors on the trainer, trying to build up my leg strength and trying to build up my power. Um, and I did some road riding in during the winter as well to train for those longer distances. This course was no joke. Um, I think I finished with over 7,500 feet of elevation gain. Um, the course got rerouted, uh, so we added miles. It was supposed to be about 68 miles. They added about four more. It ended up being about 72 miles, <clears throat> and that had a lot to do with the weather. So, you know, this past weekend, um, we had rain. Saturday was beautiful. Saturday night, overnight, rain. As I drove up there this morning, it was pouring down rain, and... You know, the thought of not going and doing it um, never really crossed my mind. It was my first gravel race. It was something I wanted to do. It was a challenge. And Six Gap is one of those races that um, it's, 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 it's a tough course. 
And this is the first time that Six Gap has done the gravel ride. They do in the fall, they do the Six Gap uh, Century and Metric Century and um, the Three Gaps, I think is what it's called. The metric is called Three Gaps. And it's up in North Georgia mountains. I mean, these are some serious climbs um, where you'll be, you know, climbing a mountain, basically. Um, I mean, I'll have to look at my data and stuff, but it felt like I was going up easily for like anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour straight, just pedaling uphill the entire time. I was probably at some point, I was probably moving about three and a half to maybe five miles an hour. Um, so... I knew it was going to be tough. Um, I didn't have any other expectations. Um, the only goals I had was to finish, to have fun, and to really experience something brand new. And I'll say, I got that. Um, the Like I said, it was raining. And, you know, a lot of these races are rain or shine. Um, I knew I was going to, it's going to be on gravel, dirt, knew it was going to be muddy, but as also as a trail runner, I'm okay with that. You know, that sort of kind of makes it a little bit fun and makes it a little bit, you know, unique and also makes it a bit of an adventure. Show up and it is, um, it started lightening up a little bit. So it was more of a drizzle by the time I pulled up. It was, you know, it was about an hour, 45, two minute, uh, a two hour drive up to the Dahlonega area. And um, it was a great run event. You know, I mean, they did a fantastic job. Um, they had breakfast there in the morning. Um, they gave us vouchers for lunch and uh, two beer tickets uh, for afterwards. And I ended up skipping out on that. And believe me, I still am, I want a beer. I haven't had a beer yet. I certainly deserve one after today's ride. Um, but, you know, my ride ended up being over seven hours. So I was riding maybe, I think I looked at it, I was like riding like 9.9 .9 miles an hour. So right under 10 miles an hour for over seven hours. And so I got done, started at eight. I got done about you know, like after four. And I, then I had another two hour drive home. So I was like, let's get the beer. I also didn't want, I was already tired. I didn't, I didn't need beer on top of being tired. Uh, I needed to be alert, um, while I was, you know, driving. Um, and, uh, so overall it was fun. It was, yes, it was muddy right off the bat. It was muddy it was but it was fun um i felt like a kid you know uh like a you know i mean i, I don't know if, if if you remember but you know just kind of playing out in the rain and just jumping into mud puddles and 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 just you know having a blast and getting dirty as a kid that's what this felt like um and it, it was you know i don't know how many riders were out there i know that Many did not show up. Um, I heard conversations at the beginning where, um, you know, I talked to someone who said that, you know, he had three buddies who ended up bailing and, and decided not to go. Um, we also had several people that uh, at the first aid station decided that they weren't going to do the 70. They were going to um, go down to the 40. Um, primarily because of the rain, it was a little chilly. Um, 
and the course was, uh, I would say, a, a bit, uh, a bit rough. And I mean, it's gravel. That's what you're going to get. Um, we did have, you know, one water crossing uh, at the beginning. And actually, when I came up to it, I actually thought it was a crash because everyone was kind of gathered and, and had stopped. And I thought, oh, man, I was like, hopefully no one crashed and everyone's okay. And turns out that there was a stream crossing and a lot of people were trying to figure out whether they were going to ride it or whether they were going to, you know, walk their bike across. And uh, so that ended up causing a couple of delays. Um, and then, of course, we got to cross that on, on the way back. Um, the... Um, but as I'm riding, I'm just having this a blast. Just you know, yeah, sure. I'm I'm like you know riding uphill. Um, it's not easy, but luckily my bike had the the right gearing for it, so I could spin easily um, when I needed to to conserve energy. And uh, and then going downhill was fun. And I'm not one that loves to go down fast. I tend to really be very conservative. Because the other objective I had was I did not want to crash. I, I didn't want to have any mishap. I got a century ride next week. I want to make sure I, I can make make it to that. And um, and then you know we we got a little bit more rain. We had some fog. Um, we got some wind. Um, but then the sun came out, and man, it was beautiful. Blue skies, you know, it was, everything was so lush and green. It was, I mean, it was just like the bluest, bluest sky, the greenest, greenest that you can possibly think of as far as, you know, you're talking about the foliage and, 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 and the leaves and the trees. It was gorgeous. We ran, uh, uh, you know, by a couple of waterfalls and, you know, I think the Tacoa River and the Chesapeake River were some ones that we kind of uh, rode by as well. And because of the rain... You could hear the roar from from the river, and you know a uh, couple of waterfalls there, and the cascading off of some of the the tributaries there. It was awesome. Um, now this was a very difficult course, and this is not a course I would recommend for someone that's just getting into it. Um, granted, I'm just getting into it, <laughs> so. Um, but I'm a bit more, I would say, I had a little bit more experience. I knew kind of what I was get, sort of kind of getting into as far as the elevation. I knew it was going to be tough. But, uh, you know, you don't have to do something quite this challenging. There's uh, easier courses out there that are not requiring you to, you know, a lot of elevation gain. Um, and, um, you know, maybe a little bit flatter um, and easier um, and shorter distance as well. I mean, they did have the option for, I think, a 40 mile or so. I think there was a, like a 40, a 70, and a 90. I mean, <clears throat> I'm glad I didn't think I could do the 90 because I still would have been out there another two hours. I think it would have taken me nine or 10 hours. I think I would have been pulled from the course. But the volunteers at the aid stations were fantastic you know, pull up and they're like, hey, what can we get you? Let me fill up your water bottle. What do you need? You know, um, they had bike mechanics at every aid station, which is nice, you know, because this is the thing. When you when you go off-road, you're going to have mechanicals. You're going to have things that are going to go wrong. I came up to one guy who was, God, maybe a mile or two from the last aid station. Like within seconds, he ended up, I think, breaking a spoke broke his chain, and I think his buckle on his shoe ended up falling apart. 
So look, he got that sort of kind of not completely fixed, but he got it to where you can make it the last 13 miles uh, on the course with uh, with some help there from a, uh, from a mechanic there on site, which is great. Um, I think it was a Dumas or Dumbass, uh, the Lanaga Ultra Marathon um, Association that puts on a lot of the trail running events up there like uh, Georgia Jewel and Cruel Jewel and a couple others. They were manning all the aid stations and they were phenomenal. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, um, everyone was friendly. You know, one of the things that I loved about it was at one point we we're climbing uphill and this one guy rides up beside me. He's passing me, looks at me and just fist bumps me. And I was like, ah, oh, perfect. I mean, that was awesome. I mean, no words needed to be spoken, just a fist bump, you know, and everyone coming up was like very encouraging hey, great job. You're doing great. You know, keep it up, you know. Um, so very welcoming um, community, very friendly overall. And I would I would compare it very similar to, um, you know, trail runners, you know, uh, very kind of laid back type of atmosphere, very chill. Everyone's very encouraging. Um, you, whenever you get to an aid station, you'd get people that are cheering for you. Um, so really, really awesome time. Um, and as far as my, you know, race, like I said, aside from it being over seven hours, I still had a great time. I took, you know, my pacing was just be consistent, just stay in it and just don't overwhelm yourself. Don't try to win anything. Um, and there are times where I started getting some lows in my energy. Um, <clears throat> And I ended up backing off from, from my effort, taking in nutrition, making sure that that got through. And then I would get a little bit of a surge of energy again, and I could power through that. So never really took a really deep, deep dive. So I never really bonked. It was always that sort of kind of being aware of where I was at, you know, taking something um, and which, you know, what I took, I'll let you know that, is I ended up going with Tailwind. I ended up taking, I think, four bottles of Tailwind. I had two bottles prepared with me, and I had two individual packets uh, that I got, uh, you know, filled up at the aid stations. I had Humagel. Um, I took one Humagel um, with me at, at one point. I ended up stopping where I was. I felt like, okay, um, I'm starting to feel sluggish. So let me take a Humagel. Um, and then at the aid stations, uh, I ended up having an oatmeal pie. I had, you know, came across one. I was like, all right, what do you guys got? I want to eat something. I had an oatmeal pie. I'm like, I haven't eaten an oatmeal pie in probably a decade, a decade or more. And I came across that, and that was like heaven. You know, when you're climbing and you're working that hard and you get something, a sweet, something treat like that, man, it just feels awesome. And I think I ended up hitting, like every other aid station, I was grabbing one of those. And for the first time ever, I tried some pickle juice. <clears throat> and I never really cramped, but I got that little bit of hint that like where my legs were like sort of kind of, you know, twitching a little bit. Like if you push any harder, we're going to seize up. And so I ended up taking that at the last aid station to sort of kind of get things kind of in control. Um, tastes horrible. I hate pickles and, and you know, pickle juice wasn't great, but... Um, you know, if it helps, I, I mean, I'll give it a shot. If it means, you know, taking something that 
doesn't taste great uh, to my palate and using it so that I can cross the finish line and, and finish strong, I'll try it. Um, the one thing that because of the course, you know, um, and the rain, the event was really, really good about sending emails and saying, hey, this is what the conditions are. We're going to reroute, you know, uh, the course. And they said, what we recommend as far as your tires, because this is the thing about gravel. The question you will get the most once you start getting into gravel is, what tires are you running and what pressure are you running your tires? And that's a big deal. It's, it's a, kind of an ongoing uh, joke at this point um, in the gravel community. So what did I go with or what was recommended by the uh, event? So the event said to go with 40 millimeter, I think, no, they said minimum of 35 millimeter tires. And just so you know, road tires typically are anywhere from 25 to 28, maybe 32. Those are the skinny tires. So 35 is still skinny. In this case, it said, you know, 35 minimum. Um, they also recommended some with a little bit more traction. Um, and in, they said there was one section where they recommended a mountain bike tire. Now, I got that notice Uh two, three days before the event. And at that point I was like, I don't have time to go and get new tires. And even then I did a kind of a quick search to see what tires cost and tires ain't cheap. Um, so these were, the ones I was looking at were about $70 a piece. So we're talking about $140 for tires. I'm like, not now, not this time. I'm like, I'm gonna go in, and whatever happens, happens. I've got, you know, a new bike. I don't need to put new, new tires on it. Um, the tires are in great condition. Let's just see how it, how it kind of goes. Now, gravel tires typically are designed to, to roll fast. So they don't have a lot. They're not smooth like road tires because you need traction. But they've got these little bumps in them, uh, to, for that traction and, and they'll vary design will vary by brand and by kind of the, um, the terrain they're designed for. So some of them will be kind of a cross between a gravel, smoother gravel tire and a mountain bike with more knobby type tread. So think like a trail shoe. So you get a little bit more of that grip. Um, and, um, so I went with the tires that I had that had just a little bit of, of smaller little nubs for, for traction. So the next, the next question is, you know, well, what's, what pressure are you running? And when I bought my bike, uh, the gentleman I bought it said he, you know, he recommended running 25 PSI, which, you know, is, I guess it's kind of low. And I've got tubeless tires. So tubeless, you can go lower in pressure um, it allows the tire to, um, without there being a tube, you have the less chance of what's called pinch flatting, which basically means that if you hit a bump, the tube in your tire will pinch the sidewalls of the rim, which will then, you know, basically puncture it with that pinch. And in doing so, it's also called a snake bite because that's what it looks like. It looks like two little, you know, fangs got into your tire. So 
having tubeless allows you to run that lower pressure, allows better traction. Um, and for the most part, I think even in my mountain bike tires, I've kind of have gone into below 30. At one point early, early on, over 20 years ago on my mountain bike tires, I was probably running like 35 PSI. And then little by little started running like 28 to 30. So 25 seemed low to me. 25 worked really well for me. I had no issue that the tires I used, um, had enough traction. They never really slipped. I think maybe once, uh, you know, felt a little bit of a slip, but because I was constantly weighted in the back, um, and seated, the tires held perfectly. Now there were some road sections and, you know, I wish, you know, I had a little bit more pressure because that would have made, um, you know, rolling them a little bit easier on, on some of them. Um, and, um, and there's times where I felt like, you know, if I had a bigger tire, a knobbier tire, maybe I could descend a little bit better and more confidently because that was the other issue is, is as you're descending, you can make up some speed, but you're hitting all these little bits of rocks and, and, and bumps along the, along the road, uh, you know, on this, you know, uh, you know, these are all basically forest service roads that we were on. So it's, you know, it's not smooth. It's bumpy. Um, it's muddy. So you have to kind of weave your way in and sort of kind of look at the best line. Like what's the smoothest line so that you're not getting bumped around a lot. And that's the next thing that I would say is that whether it's a benefit, you know, uh, I've read some articles where it, it, they say it benefits your upper body because you do get a little bit of workout and I certainly feel it. I felt it in my arms. I felt it in my triceps, I felt it in my back as well. They say it's also a good core workout just because of the way that you kind of tend to, you know, uh, sit on the bike, handle the bike and try to maneuver the bike. It's sort of like this all around type of workout, upper body and lower body. Um, and there are times there, especially on the downhill where, you know, because I'm not a confident descender, I'm trying to use the brakes to control my speed. And I really felt like my hands were sort of like almost like cramping up because at the last aid station, we had 13 miles. And they said, from this point on, it's downhill for five miles and it's steep downhill. So I'm here for five miles, just hands on the brakes. Um, and then after that, you had seven miles, and it was a combination of going uphill and going downhill fast. So all that, I felt it really in my upper body, uh, you know, my forearms, my triceps, my upper back, um, and, uh, and shoulders. <clears throat> so you do get a workout. Um, at the same time, I think that to prepare for these type of riding, you probably should do some upper body workout to prepare for that. I luckily have been doing some. Um, maybe I should have been doing more. Um, but in the end, I think it, I had a great race. I had a great experience. I would love to do another gravel, uh, uh, you know, ride. Like I said, I did sign up for big sugar. That's a hundred miles in October. So I'll definitely, uh, continue to ride and continue to train for that. But I think between now and then I'll try to see if I find something a little bit, you know, um, easier to kind of, you know, maybe a little bit easier, a little bit faster, something that I could, uh, do that is, uh, um, 
you know, um, not going to, you know, beat me up as far as the legs and, um, and not, uh, um, you know, beat up my upper body. So if you want to get into gravel riding, you know, A, I think you got to be adventurous. You got to give it a shot. Um, you don't need, um, a gravel specific bike. Um, if you do, of course, we sell them. Uh, the Giant Revolt is a great, uh, you know, bike. Um, and they've got some uh, entry-level ones um, right, I think, right around $1,400. That would be a, a, a great starter bike uh, if you're getting into. But if you've already got a mountain bike, you could try that. Um, and in some instances, if you got a road bike and if the clearance allows it, you know, take it into the bike shop and see if, if you can put, uh, you know, bigger tires on it. Maybe a, a, a road bike can work for you as well. Um, and then the other thing I'd say is that, uh, you know, you know, go out to the Atlanta Beltline. I mean, that's a great place right now because there's a lot of areas there that are not, you know, paved with concrete that provides that gravel type of experience. Um, and you, you know, you can test it out for yourself without really getting into anything really big and it's free. Just go out there, give it a try. And of course, you know, anything like this is going to give you, uh, you know, some cross training. I think cycling like this has helped me in my, um, my running because I'm not constantly pounding, uh, my legs and I don't feel my legs are quite that fatigued. And it also kind of helps your aerobic and cardiovascular system. So you start building up that base and that engine. Um, so it'll help your running. Um, and, um, you know, and just see how, how you, you know, how you like it, how you, how you, you know, maybe you can find something that has a bike and you can try it for yourself. But um, I think the community is great. I think it's one of those things that's, if you love the outdoors, I think, especially if you're a trail runner, this is, this is right up your alley. I mean, this is right, you know, you're already on trails. You're experienced that. Now you're just getting to do it, you know, in a, um, you know, maybe a little bit faster, but it's the exact same thing. And I would, that's what I would probably say is gravel riding is the equivalent of trail running. Um, and, uh, but I would say without the <laughs> feeling like your legs are completely beat up afterwards. Um, and then just, uh, See if you enjoy it and, uh, you know, and, you know, hit me up. I mean, you know, send me an email. Let me know if you have any questions because, you know, I'm learning. I'm doing a lot of research. I'm trying to find out some more stuff. There's obviously some things that, you know, you need to kind of be prepared for as well because, you know, mechanicals do, you know, things do happen even though I've got tubeless tires. Um, it's quite possible that I could, you know, tear a hole, uh, or get a, a puncture. Um, so knowing how to repair it, how to plug it, you know, carry a spare tube, carry some, some tools, um, know how to do that. Uh, and that applies to anything, even in just road biking. So it's good to have all that. I'll probably do a separate video on what's kind of in my saddlebag and what I bring along for road, mountain and gravel, because they all require some similar things, but also maybe a couple things that are kind of different. So this is really an abbreviated uh, episode. And like I said, I just came back from gravel riding um, and that event. And I just kind of want to share that with you and sort of kind of uh, open up, you know, kind of open up the horizon, kind of see kind of, you know, let you see kind of what else is out there um, because, you know, 
it's 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 really an adventure, man. You gotta kind of experience life and try to try new things and uh, see what you can, uh, yeah, what new adventure you can go on. And and that's what I'm all about. So until next time, keep running, keep riding, and keep believing yourself. See ya. Do you have a story or know someone with a story that can inspire, motivate, or even empower others? Email me at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. I want to share your story. Don't forget to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with others.